to the first ever SEPAD podcast, the Sectarianism Proxies and Desectarianization Project, hosted at Lancaster University and the Richardson Institute. Today I'm joined by uh, Baselef Salouk, an Associate Professor of Political Science at the Lebanese American University. Basel is, is one of our SEPAD fellows and I'm delighted that he's the first person to join us in a discussion of, of the broad issues pertaining to sectarianism and desectarianization. So Basel, over to you live from Beirut. Thank you for joining us. Um, thank you, Simon. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for uh, organizing this podcast. Ah, you're very welcome. Uh, so I've got seven questions. We'll take about 15 minutes. We'll power through and, and hopefully get some interesting thoughts about about your own journey and, and some broader themes uh, pertaining to our topic. So I thought the first question might be quite interesting to to reflect on how you got involved. Where, what was it that stimulated your intellectual involvement in this area? Well, you know, growing up in Civil War Beirut, uh, uh, makes it inescapable in many ways. Sure. Uh, and, you know, uh, as you know very well, Lebanon is, uh, unlike other states in the region, uh, is foundationally built on this idea of power sharing between religions and between sects. Of course. And so my political consciousness really was shaped during the civil war. Right. And, uh, uh, and it was, to me, a pressing issue to understand uh, why the war had started, and why it was taking so long. And I was very lucky to come under the influence of a, a history teacher at my high school. Right. Who, albeit I was rather young at the time, but who would make me read some very advanced books on politics in Lebanon, and who would you know, during the break, uh, except to talk about politics and political issues. Okay. So, so my so my political consciousness was really shaped by the environment I was living in, which was civil war, civil war sure. Lebanon. Okay. And and when I left, and I left Lebanon uh, at a time when the civil war was uh, towards its end in 1988, but the situation was unbearable. Right. And, and so it was only natural for me to pursue the study of political science. And I went to Canada and I was, it was very intriguing to me that, to discover that there, there is also another society that has deep divisions along uh, uh, cultural linguistic lines, but it's managing to negotiate these divisions. And so I started learning from the Canadian experience. But at the back of my mind, the pressing issue was always to try and understand where I came from and what the uh, what the you know what the Civil War uh, meant to me and how it shaped me. It's like you know, Gramsci says, uh, quoted brilliantly by Said in Orientalism, that yeah. the first step in any any kind of critical analysis is to actually know where you come from intellectually of course that, that take that takes time because yeah. it's, a, it's not an easy it's not an easy st step it's a journey but when i reflect now on everything i write or i have written i i feel that it is an attempt to come to grips with the environment that shaped me 
politically and my political consciousness. Sure. Uh, and so and so naturally, my my what I would call my mature work is is really an attempt to understand uh, the dynamics of sectarianism, but more importantly, why it has. Uh, proven to be so difficult to undo in the Lebanese context. Sure, and that that's really interesting to hear you say that. And I can certainly understand why growing up in that type of context, your work would, would take the trajectory that it has. And it seems to me, having read, read your work extensively and hearing you talk now, there is a, a clear normative agenda in what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. I think I'm not just normative, I would... I would I would say, you know, it's it's you know, if you if you read the uh, foreword to the politics of sectarianism in post-war Lebanon, I mean, the book was intentionally uh, written to be a kind of a form of activism. Really. Yes. Uh, really influenced by people with whom I had studied at uh, at McGill, people like James Tully. Rex Ryman and people who shaped my horizon and and you know for, as a graduate student in the 1990s you know your horizon your intellectual horizon was you know largely shaped by people like Michel Foucault uh, Antonio Gramsci uh, Charles Taylor at McGill and James Tully and Particularly from Tully, because because Tully, I you know I, I, I had the honor of studying under him. Right. And Tully taught me how to read the third period in Foucault, the third shift in Foucault, as sure. a form of uh, you know contestation of imposed subjectivities, and how you come to uh, shape your own uh, identities and your own subjectification, and and. That, that, is a, that is something, this issue of contestation and how you contest power in its different manifestations is something that I take from, you know, people like Saeed and Gramsci and Foucault. Uh, I know Saeed did not like, uh, you know, Foucault much, especially the second period, but I, I'm more interested in the third period. Yeah. And so it's, so the, the common theme to me is how you contest power and how human beings are always in relations of contestation. Uh, and, and that came back really to haunt me in my, in my later work, you know, how do you, even if you are immersed in what I call the political economy and ideological hegemony of sectarianism, how do you still manage to contest these uh, sectarian structures, uh, modes modes of subjectification and so on. So it's it's this running theme of how people uh, create their own uh, uh, identities and uh, and oppose uh, these identities that have uh, been imposed on them. Of course. But I but I'm but I'm not a romantic. A lot of my work is also about how many people accept to, to uh, play by the rules of the political economy and ideological hegemony of sectarianism yeah. uh, and, and, and accept to play by the rules of the incentive structures that sectarianism have, uh, have imposed. 
another influence which really is, is a strange one is is the great Lebanese musician and playwright Ziad Rahbani who oh really um, who, uh, his name is Ziad Rahbani and from whom as as a as a young person growing up in Lebanon I really learned a lot about how to demystify Lebanese society and to understand power dynamics in Lebanese oh, that's society. fascinating yeah I think one thing uh, that's that's really interesting for me reading your work is is this drawing on a range of different philosophical backgrounds and and using the work of Foucault and Tilly to to deconstruct all of these different power dynamics that, that many people take for granted. And, and yeah. I think one of the, the big criticisms of, of the discipline of Middle Eastern studies broadly, particularly the international relations of the Middle East, is the dominance of the state and, and the dominance of, of realism in particular. But that's where I think your work is, is perhaps most powerful because you accept the power of the state, but also then bring in these different different philosophical tools to challenge it and to explore how how politics is contested and I think that's absolutely fascinating and it's interesting yeah. to hear you say that that musicians were were also incredibly influential in 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 helping you get to that type of position yeah in fact you know I I tell my students that if you want to understand the political economy of Lebanon go listen to the plays of uh, Ziad Rahbeh who has a brilliant uh, analysis of uh, what I call the political economy of sectarianism. But he does it in a, in a, in a, in a, in a pure way, in a, in a matter-of-fact way. Uh, it's also, it, it also, I mean, reflecting now on this uh, question, you know, where you, where you, are trained intellectually is also very important and i was lucky to be at mcgill and to be an, in a place that had people like you know charles taylor james tully um, uh, rex bryan working on the middle east and what you know what you what i learned from it particularly tully is you know this theme that where there is power there is always resistance yes which he, he picked up from foucault of course and you know Sully's work on uh, constitutionalism, on Amerindian uh, Native American rights, and, and so on, particularly in his beautiful book, Strange Multiplicity. I mean, it, it makes you realize that your problems here can be put in a comparative perspective. Of course. And, and this has shaped the way I study the Middle East, but also the way I teach the Middle East, uh, particularly in my seminars and classes. I mean, I've always tried to look at our problems in comparative perspective and to to understand them in a secular way, to borrow a term that Edward Said used to use a lot. And that there is nothing really uh, unique uh, about the region, but you just have to put it in, a, in its in its political, econo economic, strategic, uh, uh, historical context. Yeah, that's interesting to hear you say you teach the region by looking outside. That's fascinating as someone who's who's teaching the region by looking inside. That that's really interesting, pedagogically. I'm not, you know, I'm yeah, I'm. Maybe this is also Tali and Said, but also Brynan, Rex Brynan's influence on me. I'm not somebody who would say that I have 
you know, having been trained outside and now working from the region, that I have a privileged uh, perspective. I don't accept this. I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't like this argument because, to be very honest, I mean, I've I've learned the most about how to think about the region from people who are from outside the region. I mean, you know, if if I am to name somebody from the region who has helped me understand, you know, the, the region from a kind of an intellectual history perspective, it's Adonis, the Syrian right. Lebanese poet and writer. But methodologically speaking, I mean, I was trained by people who have, people like Rex Brynan, Greg Gauss, uh, in comparative politics and at least I are, but also in political philosophy, Tali, by people who are outside the region, but who had a very sympathetic look at how you study these other societies, which is really the methodological lesson you take out from the end of Saeed's book, Orientalism. Yeah, certainly. So building on that then, and building on a couple of things that we've touched on, what do you think are the, the main views and conventions about, about the region and about sectarianism in particular that, that need to be challenged, that need to be contested by, by scholars? Look, I think a lot of work has been done to contest this whole ancient hatred uh, uh, theme. Which, 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 I mean, with the, with the exception of very small voices in academia, is really something in, in the media world. Yes. Um, we've gone really, uh, you know, there's been a lot of great work done by many, many friends and colleagues who have contested this issue. And, and it's, it's, no, it's no longer interesting to me to set oneself up against just the primordialist perspective. I think the most interesting work being done today is to explain variations in sectarian context. And, you know, why is it so difficult to, uh, you know, undo sectarian uh, dynamics and identities? In many ways, this is what I was trying to do in the politics of sectarianism in post-war Lebanon. But I think also, uh, this is now the new research agenda. You know, what, why is it that in some contexts, in deeply divided societies, you have mobilization along issue lines and in others along identitarian lines? And, and I think that's much more interesting today than to say, that, you know, the ancient hatred theme is all wrong and orientalism. Yes. That's behind us, I think, now. I would we agree. Need, yeah, we need to unpack, you know, what I call borrowing from, uh, you know, both Foucault and Tully, the ensemble of practices that uh, make people behave uh, uh, along sectarian lines and make it difficult for them to escape or to exit these sectarian dynamics and, and context. Sure. So, with that in mind, then, who would you who would you recommend reading that that people listening to this podcast might not necessarily be aware of? Who do you think is doing the most most cutting edge research in this area? That's a tough question because I, they're all my friends, and so. I well, I'm sure no I'm one will judge you, Basel. And, and you know, I I don't want to miss anyone. <laughs> of course. But I mean, you know, like there is a lot of really interesting work being done out there, especially by a young, well, I'll sound old now, but by a younger generation of scholars who really are taking 
the, this debate on sectarianism to new levels, and, and it's really lovely. I mean, in, in Lebanon, I would, I would, I would name people like Maya Mikdashi, uh, Sami Hermes, his beautiful book War is Coming, uh, but there are others as well. Uh, 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 and so uh, that's that's in the context of Lebanon. I think. The book that has set the terms of the debate is the edited book by Nader Hashemi and Danny Postel, Sectarianization, uh, that really has elevated the debate in the sense that, you know, people have been, people have to confront it in order to advance the debate on sectarianism and so on. Yes. But, but there are many other, uh, I mean, great work, I mean, Toby Dodge, uh, Fanar Haddad, uh, you know, a lot of people who are, are doing really cutting-edge research on sectarianism today. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting about the sectarianization book was that implicit comparative agenda, looking at how, how sectarian difference manifests in a range of different forms across the region. But also, yeah. your two chapters in particular on on the geopolitical trends, but then also on, on the Lebanese case, are, are fascinating to show that that this isn't just a localized set of issues, but neither is it just a, a broader geopolitical set of issues. It's the interaction of the two, sort of spatially, if you will. Right, right. Especially when you're talking out, you know, outside the Lebanese context, because Lebanon, as I said, foundationally was built on confessional identities, and then after the war, it becomes more uh, sectarian, uh, along sectarian lines. But I think what's interesting about this book is that even those who have criticized it for being too much along the lines of an instrumentalist approach, they have also helped people like me to defend themselves and say and to articulate their theoretical and methodological position, which is to say that it is not an instrumentalist reading of sectarianism. It's more than that. Yes. It is, to me at least, I mean, my, I, don't, I don't read my work as being limited only to the instrumentalist approach. In fact, my main question uh, in the background is why have these identities persisted? What has made them sticky? And I think an instrumentalist uh, explanation is not enough. Uh, you, want, you need to go beyond that to bring on what I call this ensemble of practices, uh, this political economy, uh, and this, which creates a kind of an ideological hegemony uh, that helps explain why, despite these miserable conditions we are living in, socio-economic conditions, sure. many people persist, continue to mobilize along sectarian lines. So, so, so you know, and I think that's the most interesting part about this debate. We're moving beyond the uh, classical. Uh, questions uh, and we're now uh, opening it up uh, some more yeah and I think this is where borrowing from from philosophy and other disciplines is actually really quite useful following on on your line of thinking I wonder if if perhaps reading some of the um, the sociology put forward by someone like Margaret Archer would be quite interesting to see about about critical realism for instance about the role of structure and agency in emergent properties right. within the context yeah. of, of these identities and what makes certain yeah. identities sticky and and not. Right. But right, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, Saeed has a 
paper called Traveling Theory uh, a long time ago. I mean, you can take this to political science and call it traveling methodology. Yes. Uh, and, I, and that's the beauty of borrowing from different uh, theoretical experiences. And I remember when I was a, when I was a graduate student, and Rex Brynan was my advisor, and he'd say, why do you want to specialize in political theory? You know, you're a comparativist, and you should, you know, you should also be an IR guy. I said, no, 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 I want to do comparative politics and political philosophy, and, and I'll do my minor in IR. And right. he would laugh at me, but, uh, but of course, he supported me completely. But, but looking back at it now, I've learned a lot from borrowing. Epistemologically and methodologically, from the training that I got of in political philosophy, and you know, and that's you know, how do different groups in deeply divided societies coexist has emerged as the biggest question today in the Middle East. And what's really interesting, I think, coming out of this this brief discussion is that you you seem to be saying that that intellectually at least this is a, a really exciting time for the study of the region with with a range of different scholars drawing on on a plurality of different methodological and theoretical backgrounds so it's absolutely absolutely and, and as i said i mean there is really a younger generation of scholars who are now versed in this uh, multiplicity of methods and they are really doing fantastic work. I mean, I don't want to name names because I don't want to miss anyone. But of you course. see, uh, just the literature on Lebanon. I mean, the literature on the state in Lebanon yes. is now enriched by people who are coming to it from anthropology, sociology, uh, gender studies, uh, political science, international relations. What, what this, it, well, it's, it has created an explosion of literature. But, I mean, if you compare it to the literature from older times, it's much more interesting. And, and, I, I, and that's what makes studying the Middle East so exciting now. Of course. And I think as those, those different uh, scholars interact with one another, those disciplines clash, then we'll see absolutely. even more stimulating work. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But uh, Basel, I'm afraid we're running out of time and I have to let you get off to your, your next appointment. But before you go, I must just thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's been fascinating and, and a real pleasure to have you on. Pleasure is all mine, Simon, and thank you so much for inviting me to do this. These kind of uh, conversations force us to think about, you know, where we come from intellectually. And so I thank you very much. You're very welcome. And thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>